Awesome. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, you can grab a seat. And uh, I want to oh, give honor where honor is due. And uh, just thinking of Reverend Coleman, you being here, it is an incredible privilege for you to be a part of our church. Raises the pressure on me. So maybe, maybe next time we don't have it all on the same day. But my goodness, you're, you're like a hero to me in so many ways. So thank you for being here and for your church. Uh, and for you, Pastor Joel, uh, thanks for your trust and your confidence. Uh, you know, that being our word for the year, I feel it in so many ways from you. Uh, and our family does as well. So thanks for uh, continuing to give us a place to call home and to have us lean in to the things that we believe God has for us. Uh, I want to say hi to all those that are watching online too. And uh, welcome. Thank you for being a part of Westwood as we continue on in this series called Asking for a Friend. It's a series that we've been doing for a few weeks now, and uh, it was inspired by questions that many of you have had about faith, or maybe questions that you have that you're saying your friend has, but really maybe you wonder about it too. And let me show you a quick recap on where we've been. You know, uh, here are a couple things that we have asked so far in the series. We're in week three. But we started out with, is the Bible reliable? Last Sunday, if you were here, Pastor Joel shared a message on why does the church judge me? And today, we have this question. Don't all religions lead to God? It's a fascinating question. And I I feel like it maybe is one of the trickier ones that could be out there. So I'm going to ask a little bit of your grace as we move through this together. Uh, But here's my goal. My goal this morning is to offer a response to that question. And by the time I close, you will have clarity about what we believe. But if you'll allow me, I would like to go on a bit of a journey in order to get there. And, you know, one of the first things my mind got to as I was thinking about this question is I was wondering, why did it come up? And I think what maybe is the heart behind the question, or maybe what surfaces behind the question, is trying to grapple with this reality that lots of people believe lots of different things. And that may not be more true than it is in today's world. Uh, Whether it's through our kind of expanding digital age that we call social media. As you scroll through your feeds, you probably notice people that believe something different than you do. Or maybe it's the fact that our neighborhoods are diversifying. A million foreign-born people live in the Twin Cities, and different religious perspectives are now represented in the communities that we live in, maybe more than they've ever been. Or many of us may have had the wonderful privilege of being able to traverse the globe. And you've traveled, and you've seen the world, and you've maybe met some people that believe something different than the gospel. The good news that Jesus Christ is the spirit-empowered son of God who was, who was crucified and raised to life so that you and I can have life and life everlasting. And I don't want to be presumptuous here. Maybe some of you in this room believe differently. Maybe some of you that are watching online, you think differently than maybe many people do in this room. Or maybe you're wondering, maybe you're searching. Maybe you're trying to figure out what to believe or if belief is even necessary to begin with. You know, the first time that I can kind of maybe recall thinking about some of these things was uh, maybe a fifth or sixth grader and uh, was in a car ride. The car was probably going too fast because my dad was driving. Uh, But, you know, I was staring out the window and for some reason, you know, my mind just started to drift a little bit. And maybe I got out of science class that afternoon, I don't know what happened, but I just started to think about like 
the crazy reality that we, that we have called life. And, you know, the universe that we live in, it just keeps going and going. And, you know, all the dials of our compatibility to live on this earth, they're like all in this right ranges. Just the right amount of oxygen and just the right amount away from the sun and just the right amount of water in our earth, right? All the dials are just in the right places. And, you know, I kind of... I think I got to a place where I felt a little bit overwhelmed by just thinking about those kinds of things. Maybe it felt a little even frightening at the time. And, and, and so then I think over the course of my life, for me, placing faith or having some sort of understanding of God, it didn't feel like that far-fetched of a conclusion. Yeah, if, how all does this stuff hold together? Yeah, I, I think God's probably out there making sure that everything is held in its proper place. Now, I, I know this, some people will kind of react back to that and say, well, that's not a very compelling reason for God. But again, I don't think it's all that far-fetched. And I know many of us probably arrived at similar places. The idea of there being God can give us a sense of peace. I think it did for me. And I think it can offer us um, a sense of meaning, a sense of purpose. And, and so if, if you would allow me to take maybe that personal experience that I had, and maybe if I can extend it to what is religion, if I could give religion a definition, I think it's our attempt to try to make meaning of the things that we experience in our world. It's a way for us to try to understand what does it mean to be human? It, we ask profound questions in our life. How does this all fit together? Where are we all headed? Is, there all, is, all this, uh, is this all there is to life? And, and I wanna acknowledge those are very sincere questions. And religion and religious traditions are offering responses to that. And many of those religious traditions begin their responses by giving some sort of perspective on God, on some sort of higher spiritual power that holds everything together. And so what I wanna do is, uh, rather than go into a deep dive on all major world religions, I, I wanna show you a few pictures. And these pictures, I think, uh, give us a simple, but at the same time, profound look at how different religions are offering a response to who is God or what is God. Uh, here's the first one I wanna show you. Some people come to the conclusion that there's probably many gods out there. And all the things that we notice in our world, there's a God for it. There's a God to ensure that you get the best parking spot, you know, but there's a God to ensure the rains come or that there's food on the table, or that uh, the life that you want will be protected. You know, the, a religious tradition like Hinduism, for example, would kind of carry this worldview. There's many gods out there. And they're pulling the strings behind the scenes and making everything happen. And so if you want something in your life, you should appeal to that specific God. You know, being uh, ethnically Indian, I actually have many f extended family members that would ascribe themselves as Hindu or believing in this sense or this worldview that there's many beings out there. You know, others will arrive at different conclusions. You know, that they would say, if you want to find God, you just need to look within. God is self in some worldviews. And basically, it's this idea that if you want meaning, if you want purpose, if you want a sense of direction, just look inside. You can find inner peace. You don't need anything else to do that. You know, there's a growing adherence to perspectives like this. I, I would say uh, people that practice Buddhism would maybe fall into a category like this, finding enlightenment, even more secularized New Age thinking 
would kind of, get, would kind of uh, fall into this camp that God is self. Still, there are others that would say, you know, we don't need God. If you want to find meaning, if you want this world to kind of make sense to you, why in the world do you need to appeal to a higher power? You know, in the United States today, there's a growing faction of us that actually would fall here. Uh, in fact, I saw a Pew Research study survey that was done in 2018, and it said that one, nearing one out of every 10 of us just don't see a reason for God anymore. We would call them atheists or agnostics, and many of you are probably connected to people uh, that have that, or maybe some of you in this room are saying, yeah, I think that may best describe me right now. I just don't know if there's a reason for God. Still, there are others that did maybe what I did when I was in that car, and I looked out the window, and I inevitably looked up, which I think is the religious uh, trajectory of even a faith like Islam. God's up there. He's this mighty, all-powerful being that ensures that justice is served and that history moves to its intended purpose. And you know, if I could be honest, I, I think for many years of my life, maybe this was the picture that best described what I thought faith was, that God's up there. And I think only until I encountered Jesus did I really have a change in the trajectory of my faith. You know, th this whole idea of God being up there, it's this acknowledgement that there's a spiritual reality to our world. You know, I, I love what the late theologian Dallas Willard said about this idea. Uh, he said, it's my belief that the spiritual world is the real world. It's the most fundamental world that we have. In fact, it's the spiritual unseen world that the physical, visible world depends on. Look how he defines faith. Faith, then, is perception of the invisible world. It's awareness of the world that is unseen. It's the ability to make the spiritual world present to yourself. It's a fascinating concept. You know, the Apostle Paul picked this up. You know, he's one of the most prolific writers that we have in our Bible. And he was encouraging some of the earliest Christians that ever lived and they were in this place where they were facing hardship. And here's what he told them. He goes, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Faith, we could say then, is believing in the unseen as a way to understand what we can see. Or, as uh, Christian author Tony Evans has said, if all you see is what you see, you will never see all there is to see. It's fascinating. Faith, is, faith, we could say, then, is believing in the unseen. It's believing in what we can't see. But, but I have to acknowledge this. A lot of religions get there. That's not the distinctive of Christianity. And to show you what I think that distinctive is, uh, I have one more image for you. And I believe it's the image that I think best captures faith as we experience it today, a faith in Jesus. And that's this profound beauty that God is with us. You know, the gospel writer Matthew records a conversation that the Virgin Mary had with uh, an angel. And it was concerning this idea that God is with us, that God is in flesh. 
And uh, look, look what the uh, angel said to Mary. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And so if I were to recap those images, are there many gods or just one? Is God even needed in today's day and age? Is God up there? Or is God, as Christians believe and as Matthew's gospel testifies, is he with us? Then again, aren't all these simply just different perspectives to that shared question? Don't all religions get there anyway? You know, I want to show you uh, an image that you may have seen used before as an analogy that's oftentimes a response to the question, don't all religions lead to God? You'll notice it up on the screen here. And uh, basically it goes like this. Aren't we all just trying to climb the same mountain? You know, each of us is uh, going up a different path or along a different path, but eventually we're all going to get up there. And, you know, Islam is starting over there on the left and, and uh, Buddhism's over there on the right and Christianity found a back door up through the middle there. Like, aren't we all just going to end up in the same place? We're just starting from a different spot. And, and I'll give you this. I, I think an analogy like that, in the best of places, I think it's coming from a place of maybe openness or humility. And I think it's trying to say, look, if we're, all in, if we're all going where we're going, why do we need to be so anxious or why do we need to be so combative with one another? And, and I think as Christians, I think there could be a helpful invitation there. I, I, I don't think the way of Jesus was ever, ever invites us to be combative with people that think or believe differently than we do. I think the way of Jesus always wants us to extend compassion and honor to our fellow humans as we all endeavor to know our creator. And so at the very least, I'm going to give that analogy that. Yeah, I, I don't think we should be combative. But the pushback I'd offer is that that kind of analogy that we all end up in the same place anyway, it's actually a pretty privileged idea. And here's what I mean by that. Uh, if you're going to hold to that view, you're basically saying that you can see the whole mountain, whereas all the other religions can't. In other words, you know that Christianity can start over there and that Islam's coming up this crevice and that Buddhism's starting over here, yet each of those individual religions can only see what they can see. And so in an attempt, I, I think oftentimes well-intentioned, in an attempt to say, hey, it's, let's tone it down. We don't need to be all you know, concerned about all this stuff. We're all going to go to the same place anyway. I think it kind of dishonors all the perspectives that people have. Rather than a mountain, it actually becomes a flat plain. We're all the same in these kinds of approaches. And there's a privileged knowledge that I have that you don't. I can see it all, yet you can't. And so that analogy, I think, has some concerns with it. But I think the image, if I could put it back one more time, the image of that mountain, I think it still has an interesting way about it to give us some maybe inspiration about what Jesus is doing and what God is doing. Because again, the, the counterintuitive trajectory of Christianity is that rather than us trying to traverse up that mountain, God in his love decides to come down to meet us. 
Now, I could say it this way. The surprising thrill of Christianity is this. God pursues us. In our brokenness and imperfections, Christianity would offer this wild idea that you can't climb the mountain. It's too steep. It's too difficult. God is too holy. We won't be good enough. You know, and I, I reflect on this, and I have four children. Been married about 11 years. I, you know, have a job. Many of you probably have some place of employment. And uh, I can be a little frustrated with my kids sometimes. And, you know, Annie and I have been on a house hunting journey. We have some differences of opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like a house hunt will surface that. <laughs> and, uh, and I have a personality. And people have different personalities. So all I'm saying is I know I don't get this life thing perfect all the time. Yet in that, God pursues me. He decides to come down the mountain so that we can have a relationship. Yeah, the Christian story would say that's who God is. And the most famous line in all of the Bible would attest to that. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And I have a friend of mine that uh, recently told me a game that I uh, have been starting to play with my kids. And I'm not going to endorse the game because when I explain a little bit, you'll realize why. But, um, you know, have you ever thought of the perspective of a three to five-year-old child? You know, their view of the world is basically from our kneecaps down, basically all they see. And so if they want to see anything else, they inevitably have to look up. And so my friend's encouragement to me is that I need to get on the level of my kids more. And so when I walk through the front door on, uh, after a long day's work, interestingly, as soon as I hear the front door open, I hear the back door of our bedroom close shut, which basically means my wife knows I'm home and she says, <laughs> I'm done. And so <laughs> the kids are not my responsibility. <laughs> eerily close, or eerily, uh, those, those two sounds coincide together. Anyway. I put my stuff down, and I've been in the habit of then almost belly flopping on the living room floor. And, you know, the kids are having a commotion. It's kind of a wild time. It's kind of nice to have a cheering section when you walk through the door. And uh, the game starts at that moment where, you know, I randomly try to lift a hand up or lift a leg up, and I'm, I'm basically trying to trip them over. And, uh, you know, by the older ones, they kind of get the game. You know, they know to dodge, but the younger ones... You know, they don't know the strategy. And so inevitably, they'll fall down. And you know, the point is not the commotion. Uh, the point is to get on the same level as my kids. And can I tell you, that's what God has done for us in the person of Jesus Christ. I remember that prolific writer, Paul. You know, he wrote a hymn, actually a song about this. It's recorded in the book of Philippians, uh, a song about Jesus meeting us on our level. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Now, those words may not seem very poetic, 
Uh, but mind you, that's ancient Greek being translated into our modern-day English, so no doubt you lose a little bit of the rhyme and the rhythm and the art of what that original audience very well may have sung in their church services. And so maybe a modern-day hymn would help. And uh, I think Maverick City's uh, recent song, The Son of Suffering, does a really nice job with it. In fact, it's actually inspired by those verses we just read, and their rendition goes like this. Some imagine you are distant and removed, but you chased us down in merciful pursuit. To the sinner, you were grace, and the broken, you embraced. And in the end, the proof is in your wounds. Blood and tears, how can it be? There's a God who weeps, there's a God who bleeds. Oh, praise the one who would reach for me. Hallelujah to the son of suffering. You know, the Christian story reverberates good news that in Jesus we see the fullness of God, a God who weeps, a God who bleeds. I get emotional just thinking about it. That in Jesus, we see the God that reached for you and reached for me. And in Jesus, we see the life that God intended for us. A life that's been arrested by love and grace and goodness and hope. A life that forgives and honors. A life that looks to God for everything and it believes and realizes that everything that we have is from God. And can I just say this? If that's the God who holds all this together, a God who not just wants to know me, but knows what it's like to be me, being born in the vulnerability of an infant, being betrayed by friends, feeling hunger and tiredness, anguish and pain, weeping and bleeding, if that's the God of the universe, boy, I think we should know him. And I think some of you are in a place where you're like, yeah, I think I want to know him too. But no doubt, whether you're watching online or maybe you're in this room, maybe some of you are still wondering, still asking the question, but won't we all get there anyway? Don't all religions lead to God? And in terms of maybe religion acknowledging or entertaining the idea that there is a God, I'm going to say, yeah, you're going to get to that conclusion. But will that lead you to him? Well, let's look at what Jesus would say in response to that question from the book of John. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. You know, Jesus is who he says he is. The son of God who, has died, who, who died and was raised to life so that you and I can have a relationship with the God who's chasing after us, then for anyone who maybe is wondering or thinking about what to believe, I, at the very least, I want to offer this. I think we have to be open to Jesus' words. Because if in Jesus we see the fullness of who God is, then I, I want to believe him. And I do believe him. Because Jesus' life is profound. It's beautiful. You know, it, it invites us to live counter it confounds our tendencies to want things like prestige and power. Jesus inspires us. He invites us to live like and for a self-giving God. It's why our way of life at Westwood is to be and love like Jesus. 
Because as Jesus himself said, he is the way to know God. You know, my uh, story of knowing God, like I shared it, it began on this, at least as I can recall it, it began as a little bit of an intellectual quest sitting in a car that was driving too fast going down the highway. And uh, over time, what was uh, plausible in my head had to become real in my heart. And I say that because I think our intellect can tilt us toward God. I think our intellect can many times get us to places where the possibility of God really does make sense. But I don't think that can get us all the way to relationship with God. I think we need revelation to do that. And the Christian story would say that that revelation is found in a person. And his name is Jesus. And as we take Jesus' words to heart, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, then in Jesus, we have the way to God, we have the truth of reality, and we have the life of eternity. You know, as a father, I don't uh, get the experience very much of just sitting in a car. You know, now I'm the driver. And uh, we are a minivan family. I never thought we would get there. But uh, as I'm driving the minivan, you know, sometimes I'll look in the back and I'll see my eldest son with his head pressed up against the window. And as I've been preparing for this message, you know, I, I started to wonder, boy, is he thinking some of the same things I am? And maybe not in that exact moment, but I think over time, yeah, I think he will. Because I'm almost positive the vast majority of us are searching. We're trying to find meaning. We're trying to find purpose. We're trying to find God. And I think that's because God wired us to do that. You know, there's a poetic line in the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes, and it goes like this. God has planted eternity in every human heart. We were wired to seek after God. And I think that's why Christians see God as the ultimate seeker, because he knows what he placed in us. You know, and as I think about my kids, my father's heart for them is that they would know God. They would find meaning. They would know him like I do. And it dawned on me, if that's my earthly father's heart, <laughs> how much more is the heavenly father's heart for them and for all of us? He runs after us. Because the wondrous trajectory of the God we see in Jesus is that he comes down the mountain. And so maybe instead of asking the question, don't all religions lead to God? Maybe a question we also could ask is, where is God leading us? And my response to that is he's leading us to Jesus so that we can place our faith in him so that we can be saved. That's the good news of Christianity. And so today, if you're still searching, if you're still wondering, if you're still seeking, maybe today's your day to say yes to Jesus. Maybe today's your day to take him at his word as the way, the truth, and the life. Rather than trying to climb the mountain to God, to just even catch a glimpse of him, maybe today's your day to enter into a relationship with God by following Jesus, who came to meet you. Maybe today's your day to open yourself up to the God that pursues you. And as you do, you'll enter into something we call at Westwood, the rhythm of life. This beautiful idea that we gratefully receive everything we have from God so that we can joyfully give it away. And God so loved the world that he gave his son 
and we can receive him in joy. We can give his name to others. And as we do that, as we share Jesus, we return back to God, glory, honor, and praise. And so as we sing a closing song together, I'm gonna uh, invite you to allow the God that we see in Jesus to become real to you. Maybe it's been an intellectual pursuit for you. Maybe God's been up there. And my invitation for you is to embrace the beautiful reality that God is with us. He's come down the mountain because that's the trajectory of the Christian story. God is reaching out. He's coming down on our level, belly flopping on the living room floor, <laughs> leading us to his son, Jesus. And um, I'm gonna invite you to stand with me and we're gonna sing a closing song together. And as you do, would you open your hands up to receive a blessing? It's a posture we call at Westwood that we wanna live open-handed. And however the Lord leads you in this moment, may you respond to him. So God, uh, we're asking for a God prompting. One of the things that we say at Westwood is a way that you reach out to us is you give us a nudge or a tug. You wanna know us. So Lord, I pray wherever we are in this journey of life toward this thing we call faith, trying to see the things that we can't see, God, would you be loud in our ears? Would your presence be real? And would you help us to follow you? We can't climb the mountain, Lord. In your goodness, you come down to meet us so that you can walk us up. And so may we take your hand today, wherever we are, maybe belief for the first time, maybe rekindling our belief from before, maybe reigniting our faith to realize you're here, not just up there. Where are you leading us is to your son. So may we meet him now in the name above every name. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. Amen.